Well, I too want to welcome you and wish you a Merry Christmas today. Merry Christmas. I'm happy to be with you as always and happy that my mom is here with uh, us uh, from Oklahoma. We've had a good few days with her and uh, glad to see you, Mom. I, uh, I don't know if you'll remember this story, but uh, you, you may not, but it's a story of a heartbreak of mine years ago. Um, I uh, went off to the prom with a young lady and uh, I thought that we were kind of uh, in a pretty good spot relationally. Uh, we had done a couple of things together, uh, but I was in for a rude awakening one day when uh, I was out at the mall, um, a new mall in my town with a couple of my buddies, and down the corridor of the mall, I see this young woman I thought was my girlfriend. Uh, she came walking toward us with a couple of her friends, and when I saw her, my heart fluttered. A big smile spread across my face, and I thought we were about to have a a great little hello, and uh, not expecting to see her. But when she saw me, she uh, leaned over and talked and whispered to a couple of her friends, and they turned around and walked the other way. I know. That's not a very good Christmas cheer type of story, is it? I was devastated. (laughs) I really was. I was embarrassed. I didn't quite know what to do. I didn't need to go talk to her because it was quite obvious (laughs) what was happening is uh, she was not returning my love. Have you ever sensed being left out or overlooked or pushed aside or just sensed not being loved? Ever felt that? Maybe even as a child on the playground, you were the last one chosen for the team, or uh, as an adult, you've been passed over for a promotion that you certainly uh, qualified for, or you've loved someone who haven't loved you back, or maybe even growing up in the family of your birth, uh, you weren't quite certain where you were in the family, or uh, if you were really fully embraced and accepted for who you were. You know, we we live in a world where love often comes to us on a conditional basis. The world often says, I will love you if you do this, or I will love you when you respond this way. And it's often a conditional type of love. Or we know love in the world because often it's self-focused. I love you or you'll receive my love uh, when I somehow get something from you. It's a self-focused love. And often we know love in the world because it's typically temporary. It's not uh, often a long-lasting sense of commitment together. But knowing, really knowing that you're loved and really accepting the fact that God loves You makes all the difference because accepting love is vital to thriving in our world and in life. And Christmas, perhaps more than any other time of the year, Christmas helps us to know and to center ourselves again on the wonder of being loved. That God loves you and me. It doesn't matter how you've been treated or what sort of love the world or other people have offered you. It's not always the same as the love of God. A love that is unconditional. A love that is sacrificial. A love that is sticky with you through uh, hard times. And a love that is focused 
on you. And our passage that we're going to focus on this morning is in Luke chapter 2. You're welcome to open your Bibles there. Luke chapter 2, and uh, what is well known perhaps around Christmas time is the story of the shepherds. And you don't have to know much of the Christmas story. All you have to know in your mind's eye is a picture of... Um, of a crash, of a nativity scene, and usually there are shepherds uh, at some point in that uh, particular setting, maybe even on Christmas cards that you've received. In the Bible, the, the idea of a shepherd, the function of a shepherd, the work of a shepherd had some, some noble references. In fact, the Bible describes God as being the shepherd of Israel. He is the one who would guide them and judge them and provide for them. Jesus himself in John chapter 10 He's described as the good shepherd. But in the first century world, that first century world where this first Christmas happened, the idea of being a shepherd wasn't a glamorous profession. It wasn't the social um, uh, elite by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, often shepherds had a reputation for being dishonest or unclean religiously in the Jewish law of the day. And they stood as outsiders They stood as people who were often overlooked. They stood as people who were not involved in the the great social parties. When the invitations went out, guess who weren't invited? The shepherds. These are who we sing about being lowly. Not because they were humble, but because they were disenfranchised so often. And they were out of the center of life. They were not admired. And it is to shepherds That God comes and first announces that Jesus has come into the world. That the Messiah had been born. It's really an unexpected part of the story. We need not romanticize the role or the reception of a shepherd of the day. It's really outstanding and astounding that God would do this to such people. Here's what the Bible says. And it is wonderful. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Here's what God says. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising Him for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
Living God, we thank You this day that You are the God of the living, that You are the God who is present, that You are a God who reminds us that we are not forgotten, that You are a God who steps into the world You've created, a world that we've messed up, and You've come to deliver hope and renewed sense of connection with You. Remind us this day and wash over us, God, with this knowledge that we are loved by You. Help us to wonder at how a God so infinite might love and know even me. We thank You, Jesus. Be blessed with the service as we continue it now. In Your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. God, God's love, it comes. And uh, there are a couple of reminders that I want to highlight that I think are implied within this passage. One is that the shepherds know that they're loved in their, remem- their reminder that they are uh, not alone. And the shepherds know that they are loved in the reminder that they are not forgotten. God's presence to the shepherds reminds them that they are not alone that they are loved and God is present. When it, it describes, when it describes here that God's glory shone around them, I, I want you to kind of get the picture in your mind's eye a bit. Um, 2,000 years ago, uh, there were no artificial lights, right? Uh, at nighttime, it very clearly says that all this took place at night. The shepherds were out in that same region, Uh, Mary and Joseph had traveled. Mary's pregnant. They had traveled from Nazareth in the northern part of uh, Palestine and gone down south uh, a little beyond uh, Jerusalem. And now they're out in the region of Bethlehem. A little farming area, a little shepherding community. A lot of the sheep that were used in the temple sacrifices uh, came from this region. And there are shepherds out, out at night, under the stars, out doing their work, Often caves in the area would be used as shelters for the sheep. And here they are in the midst of their everyday normal life and something that doesn't normally happen happened to them. Right? The angel appears, but it's not just the angel. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. And how does it describe their reaction? Do you remember? They were terrified. The Greek uses two different words. It says they were afraid with great fear. I mean, they were really afraid. In fact, the the Greek word literally is mega. They were afraid with mega fear. Mega fear gripped them because the glory of the Lord was shining around them. That's really significant. The glory of God shining uh, comes and appears. God's glory peeks out of heaven and it's unsettling to them. It's disturbing to them, and it's frightening to them. You know why? Because when God's glory, when He chooses to display His glory, it reminds us of who we are in relation to God. It's in part to remind us about how small we are, but not insignificant. We are are small in comparison to God, but we're significant to Him. When God's glory peeks out... They're terrified. Uh, uh, last year, I was driving up around Lake Tahoe, up in Truckee, in a neighborhood. I mean, there had been about 16 feet of snow, I think. That may be a slight exaggeration, but it felt like that. And we're driving through a neighborhood that had not been cleared 
And uh, as we, we went down this neighborhood, we were uh, coming, we realized we couldn't get through, we turned around, we're coming back down. Have you ever driven a car, a multiple thousand dollar, uh, dollar, well maybe, yeah, uh, but pound vehicle on ice, when one moment your brakes are working, you're steering, you're in control, and the next moment, none of that is the case. You're sliding on the ice, you pump your brakes and it does nothing You turn the steering wheel and nothing happens. Have you ever been there? You know that helpless feeling? You don't know where you're going when you're on a tight street and there are parked cars and you're sliding down the hill and you're you're at the mercy of gravity? You realize how out of control you really are? Suddenly you're shocked into an awareness. It creates this panic in you. There's a fear that overcomes you and you're not sure what's going to happen because you've suddenly gone from a very comfortable, in-control moment to being out of control and reminded that something else is in control in this moment. That's what the glory of God was like when all of a sudden there's a suddenness to it. Just like driving in the ice, one moment you can pump your brakes and steer and the next moment it's all done. There's a suddenness that often seems to accompany the glory of God. And it suddenly, I mean, picture these shepherds, they're out going about their regular work, and boom! Suddenly the angel speaks, and the glory of God shines around them. Would you be terrified? I would be. I'd be laying down just like they were, quaking in my boots, hoping I was responding rightly. But that's not where the angel leaves them. It's so amazing how the story goes on. There's a suddenness to the glory of God. There's also an intensity that comes with it. Have you ever been near a really strong fire, maybe a bonfire, or a big giant fireplace raging? If you're really kind of not very smart like me, you might kind of test how long, how close you can get to the fire. You might stand there and see how long you can stand there before it starts to burn your skin. Because I, I'm just I'm drawn to flame, I guess. There's, there's an intensity to fire. There's an energy in fire. There's more than just warmth. There's a power in fire, isn't there? We, we've learned that just a few months ago with these fires just north of us. I mean, that consume neighborhoods. There's an intense power in fire. And the glory of God, when suddenly it appears in the scene, there's an intensity that comes with it. And the, the response is appropriately, they're afraid. They're afraid with mega fear. They're overwhelmed with fear. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when you're in the midst of something unexpected. Um, my, my kids laugh at me because if there's ever a moment when I'm sleeping at night, late at night, and they need to come in and ask for help, that they'll come and they'll, they'll kind of touch me and I... But they say, I just I like snap up and my eyes are like big and I'm staring at the back wall because I'm like... <laughs> They're like, Dad. Dad. Huh? <laughs> it's sort of this unexpected quality. And it's sort of this stunning event. Boom. I'm unfamiliar. Where am I? What's going on? Why am I being woken up? This is not my normal expectation. That's what it was for these shepherds. All of a sudden, everything that was familiar to them was whisked away. The suddenness and the intensity of God's glory shone around them. And they were gripped with mega fear. But through this encounter 
They're going to learn that they are loved by God. And they're going to be reminded that, that they are not alone. They're not alone in their world. They're not alone out in their work. They're not alone in the pasture. They're not alone walking through their life and their married life. They're not alone. That God is with them. That is the Emmanuel of God. And then God's message comes forth because God, when He displays His glory, it's not just to promote fear. It's to help remind us that we're not forgotten. God is present and the shepherds know that they're loved. And then God reminds them that they are not forgotten. They're reminded that they're loved. When the, the, the angels, they say, we have come, don't be afraid. Well, that's easier said than done, Right? But the message is this, don't be afraid because we come with great news that is mega joy. We come with this message of good that is great joy. You see, instead of mega fear, now they are to be filled with mega joy because they are being reminded and they're being taught and they're being demonstrated. God is saying, I love you. You're not alone. And you are not forgotten. And God works with them. He says, the angels say to them, For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I can almost picture the shepherds like, To me? (laughs) Wait, God, you don't know what a shepherd's like in this time of history. We're We're not the in crowd. We're often overlooked, we're often pushed out, we're not invited to parties. What are you saying? God says, I love you, you're not forgotten, you're not alone, and there's a Savior who has been born to you. To you He has come. The glory of God appeared to them and they were terrified, right? It was this unexpected, unfamiliar thing going. But in this passage, three different times, the word manger is used. Now manger... Again, let's not over-beautify the Christmas story. A manger was a feeding trough, a place where animals came to to eat their food. Have you ever seen an animal eat? I mean, like a big animal, maybe a cow. Do you think they're concerned about manners? You ever tried to teach a cow manners? They're sloppy when they eat. They slobber on their feeding places. They chew on the feeding troughs, the manger. Now, who on earth would be more familiar with a place like that than a shepherd? And so God is moving them from a place of terror and unfamiliarity. And He's saying, this is going to be a sign to you. You're going to go, if you go to Bethlehem and you trust Me, you're going to go and you're going to find a baby and He's going to be wrapped up and He's going to be placed in a very familiar place that you'll recognize You'll be right in your element, shepherds. Isn't that such a good message? You're not forgotten. You're not alone. In fact, I'm going to send the Messiah into the world in a place of taking you from what is unfamiliar. We're going to grow your faith through this unfamiliarity and we're going to take you to a place where you're growing in familiarity with me. You're becoming more and more familiar with me. And we're going to start by placing the Christ child in a manger three times that is mentioned in this passage. Last week, we, we talked about out of the story of John, the way John describes the Christmas story, how it describes Jesus, the Word, coming into the darkness, Jesus, the light, coming into the darkness, and how the darkness has not overwhelmed it, 
But yet, sometimes the darkness does not acknowledge Jesus being God's special one, nor does it accept Jesus being God's special one. And so here the shepherds, will they take and receive the joy in place of the fear and follow through and go and find out? And I'm so glad that they did. And I'm so glad. I'd love to see their faces when they gather around there and they realize everything that the angels were saying to them is just as they said it. Here is this Christ child, this Messiah in this feeding trough. Their response to that is to glorify God. They, they go out into the world and they begin to brag about what God had said and what God had done. And they're not afraid to share it with people around them. They brag about God. They tell people that they're not forgotten. They tell people that they're loved. They tell people that uh, they're not alone, but that God loves them enough. And as I was thinking about this this week, it, it kind of brought back some questions that I want to ask some of you. Is, you know, are any of you brokenhearted or just simply broken? God is here to remind you today that you're loved by God. Is anybody here today forgotten or feel fried? God loves you. Does anyone feel neglected or not protected? God loves you. There's a reason the church is intended to be a community of God's beloved, gathered together to support each other, to accept God's love and to share it with others. When the world says and makes you feel perhaps not very pretty or not very welcome or not really genuinely loved, the church is here to help be a space where that becomes true. But it's not just some intellectual thought about defining what love is. It's not just about talking. It's a reality to be lived in. The love of God is a reality that touches the innermost parts of your life. Where your sense of being loved doesn't have to be determined anymore by what you've experienced in the world or even in your own family or at your workplace or in your neighborhood or at your school. There's a reality of love, a deeper quality of love where God says, I love you. It's a reality that can shape your life. It's an unconditional love is the love of God. It's a sacrificial love is the love of God. It's a sticky kind of love. It's willing to go through the hard stuff. That is the love of God. In the Jesus Storybook Bible, here's how the love is described. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love His children with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever love. That is the love of of God. And when the love of God is brought into your life and breathed into your lungs and works its way into the cells of your spirit, the Bible reminds us of how we are to extend that love to each other. A passage that's often read at weddings in a romantic kind of sense was really penned as a letter to the church that this is how brothers and sisters in the church are to love one another. Here's what the Bible says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. See, the love that is to be part and parcel with the community of the beloved in a church like this is to be a love that reflects the love of God, a love that is unconditional, a love rooted in what God has done in Christ, and a love that's not just for you and me to possess, but a love for us to exercise and to give out to the world around us. Father, we pray today that you would teach us and mold in us this sense of love that You would help us understand it, that You would help us grapple with it. And God, certainly in a church like this, there are times when, when this is not true of us always, and we want to repent of those times, and we, we want to turn to You always. We want Your love to so indwell in us individually, and even more so in this community, that, that the world around us would look at us and say, what a community of the Beloved. I know the love of God is there because I see the way that they love each other. Help us to love each other in truth, in gentleness, and in joy. God, get us in touch with Your glory somehow. Help us to walk in humility before You so that Your love might extend through us. We pray it now in the name of Jesus and, in, and with gratitude that You first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen.